It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to five questions on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, and there he is, Charlie Potter, joining us in the wake of Alabama's 42-28 to win over the LSU Tigers. We've got questions moving forward more so for Charlie, though, than a review of last Saturday night. Although, I do wonder, Charlie, at this point, how long, how much of an effect, a lingering effect might that game have on this Alabama team? Because it was such a monumental victory, and then you had circumstances, as we know, within that game that have led to a lot of chatter in the days that followed. Uh, this team's going to have to figure out a way to put all that behind it and get ready for that road trip. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about it later, but um, they've said all the right things. I think this team – has a little bit of a different mindset than maybe we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, it wasn't hard to get up for the LSU game, for the Tennessee game, given what happened last year. But um, this team hasn't had that anxiety or the anxiousness that Nick Saban's kind of mentioned that makes fans cringe whenever he says it in his press conferences. So um, I think the the attitude of this group's a little different. Now, early kickoff on the road um, after two big wins against a team that Alabama on paper should beat um it, it's going to be tough but so far you know they said the right things these leaders have been locked in and I think Malachi Moore was the one that mentioned how they're viewing everything as an elimination game you know we've seen what the college football playoff selection committee thinks about this team right now at least keeping them at number eight uh I don't necessarily agree with that given what they said from a criteria standpoint but um I think this team knows that in order to achieve its goals they have to keep playing and playing well. And um, so far, again, they're saying the right things. We'll see if it plays out. Yeah, it seems like the TV show, which is how I refer to the college football <laughs> ranking show each and every week, uh, it seems like it's it's based more on what people had kind of labeled Alabama as being early in the season and what they were going to be for the entirety of this season. It's almost like waiting for the other shoe to drop as Alabama went through that stretch on the road at Texas A&M, at home against Tennessee, at home at LSU. I think the expectation maybe for people on committees and just around the country in general has been, eh, they're one loss, but that second or maybe even third loss was going to come down before the end of the month of October, certainly the first week in November. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. And I think, though, now seeing what Alabama's done and really the progress they've made, uh, it, Nick Saban called it a complete game against LSU. I don't know if I'd go uh, to that length just because the defense um, didn't play great in the first half. Uh, but it was from an offensive standpoint that. And I think that when you look at just where things stand, of course, the top five makes sense. Or at least, you know, you're, those are going to be your top five teams. You can debate about the order. And Alabama is going to be behind Texas because of the head-to-head matchup. But to rank this team below an Oregon team that has done less than what this Alabama team has done is is kind of ridiculous. And even too, just looking at the the broadcast, the graphics that are up there, which you know, not to drag on the graphics guy or whoever put that together, but to say that Alabama's 
you know, marquee win or best wins against Tennessee. Look at where Ole Miss is this week, right behind them at number nine. That's not even on the graphic. So it is almost like they're playing catch up to pay attention. And, you know, if Alabama goes out and wins these next three games, which it should, and, and gets to Atlanta and, and possibly beats Georgia, it's going to be an interesting scenario to see how this plays out because it could be a, bit of a challenge for them compared to past seasons yeah it's almost like uh some folks might have to circle back to look <laughs> again at this alabama team and you wonder yeah. if there's a willingness by a lot of folks to do that after making those early judgments about the crimson tide hey let's get into these five questions for charlie potter we'll start charlie with injuries on the defensive side of the ball for alabama coming out of lsu and how do you think those might impact the Crimson Tide on the defensive side against Kentucky on Saturday. Yeah, losing two starters in that LSU game was was tough. Um, you know, Deontay Lawson's played uh, really good football this year. You know, I think a case can be made for him as defensive MVP. Um, and he goes out with an ankle injury. Jalen Key goes out even earlier in the game with a quad injury. And, you know, Monday, Nick Saban didn't really have much of an update for those guys, just saying they're basically day-to-day and um, you know, labeled them as questionable uh, for this game, questionable even for practice. So uh, maybe we'll get an update later tonight when we hear from him. And I do think, though, with Deontay, um, that's that's a big blow for this game uh, because Kentucky likes to run the football. And, you know, with Ray Davis, he's a guy that he's going to get 15, 20 carries. You know, we saw what he's able to do against Florida. That was a, an impressive showing. But uh, I think that's where you might feel it the most. I do think, though, the experience that both Tresman Marshall and uh, Jihad Campbell have gotten is going to be beneficial for this team if Lawson can't go. Um, you know, Marshall's sound in stopping the run. I think this is a, a better matchup for him this week, just in terms of what they faced the last two weeks from a coverage standpoint. Uh, so that could be beneficial. And you look at it, Alabama was without Deontay Lawson against Mississippi State on the road. So – they have this experience that I think can benefit this team. And, you know, State was able to see some success in the ground more collectively than individually. Um, and it might be the same kind of scenario or recipe against this Kentucky team. But I think that's the the bigger blow. When you look at Jalen Key, um, Alabama was able to kind of make some adjustments at halftime. They, they changed some things around the secondary where you brought Trey Amos in at corner. You moved Terry and Arnold to star and – uh you had Malachi Moore go back deep at safety. I think we could see that again because Christian Story struggled a little bit. Um, and then I asked about Devontae Smith on Monday because he's a guy that we haven't seen all season, someone that was kind of a preseason uh, breakout candidate. And he's been sidelined by a foot injury. And Nick Saban said he's been doing some, some dry land running, um, and he's about 80%. So I, I don't think he'll be able to go this weekend either. So we might see that second-half secondary against uh, Kentucky, but I think that group can get the job done. I think the biggest question mark in this matchup is going to be those inside backers and, and how they can stand up to this Kentucky run game. Yeah, it, it does. It works out okay, I think, in terms of personnel, uh, because it should be a game between base and really the nickel against yeah. what Kentucky's going to put out there. You know, having those five guys available that we saw in the second half when Alabama played a lot of nickel, against LSU in the third and fourth quarters. And that's why it was so huge to get Terry and Arnold back uh, yeah. after he went out there briefly in the second quarter because it gave you your your top five defensive backs. I think you could make an argument for it, even with Jalen Key in that mix because Trey Amos can play at a high level. 
uh, at corner. And you mentioned those inside linebackers, and I agree. I think uh, if you're Kentucky, you're still going to try to be who you are on offense. That means establish Ray Davis, play action off of Ray Davis. Um, and they'll throw it to Ray Davis, too. And that, yeah. that not a ton, but I think he has five touchdown catches on the season. So uh, he obviously can get it done as a receiver. That puts a little bit more on those inside linebackers as well. Hey, Charlie, what area – of this Alabama offense deserves the most credit for the improvement, the vast improvement that we've seen on that side of the ball since, well, I guess since USF, right? If we're going back that far, it's tough not to pick Jalen Milrow just because you you have a guy that, that doesn't play in that game. He wasn't happy, I guess, with his performance against Texas and then the decision after that, but he responds, he steps up as a leader and he's played well. And um, I think that it, it's tough not to pick him. If you look at what happened this past week though, um, I, I would give a little bit of a, a nod to, or a little bit of an edge to Tommy Reese because they, while they didn't just, you know, rework the wheel, they included some things that, I think a lot of us thought we'd be seeing early on in the season and, you know, for Jalen to be able to make plays with his legs. And some of that might be just health. You know, he's feeling better, more confident progression, a lot of those things, but you know, some of those design runs, some of the things they're able to do with him offensively, um, even just implementing that tush push and some different variations of that. Uh, I think Tommy Reese is starting to utilize his strengths and so utilize some of the other personnel that they have in this offense and it's paying off. I also think this past week, the offensive line played one of his best games. Um, I think Jaden Roberts is coming into his own. Um, we've seen Caden Proctor make steady progress. So I think they deserve some love too, but from week three of the season, the way this offense is like steadily progressed, it, it's tough not to pick someone other than Jalen. Yeah. I think you got to go with Jalen as well. And I hear you on Tommy Reese. Look, you can't convince me that Tommy Reese at the end of spring practice was in love with the idea of Jalen Milrow as his quarterback. Just look at some of the events that unfolded from the end of spring to the start of summer with Tyler Buckner coming in from Notre Dame. I think that speaks to it as much as anything. But Jalen has put himself in a position where you're not getting him out of there anytime soon. And uh, the evolution of the offense. And maybe maybe Nick Saban has something to do with this too, Charlie. I know we we give Nick plenty of credit, as we should, uh, but Nick's always said it's Alabama's offense. So maybe some of the involvements, maybe some of the additions, uh, pre-snap motion, easy touches for explosive plays that we didn't really see earlier in the season and we were kind of asking ourselves and between ourselves – where is that stuff? You know, where is more of the design stuff with Jalen Milrow? And as you alluded to, there may have been factors into all that that the public and ourselves even aren't aware of. But the bottom line is this team has everything on the table, can accomplish what we think to be pretty much all of its goals at this point, and is very much trending in the right direction. Charlie, any concern for Will Reichard after his first two misses in more than a year's time? No, I mean, I think Will's established himself um, as a consistent player. You know, he's missed full goals before. I mean, heck, we know he had the the perfect season. Uh, but I, I think you look at them, they weren't chip shots. You know, they were 40-plus, both of them, 147. Uh, so I give him a little bit of pass on that because Will, Will's been money on 35 and in. I know you're a big proponent of that. But I just think with the body of work he's been able to put together, um, 
I, I don't, I don't sweat that. I don't think Nick Saban sweats that at all. Um, you know, he's now what 29 points away from becoming the NCAA's all time leading scorer. Um, maybe that's in the back of his head a little bit. I, I don't think so, but, um, Will's had a hell of a career. Uh, he's a guy that's been dialed in, made some huge kicks for Alabama. Um, uh, you look at this past game, you know, he's not the only place kicker to miss some field goals either. So I think that, you know, that was a, a hostile environment and tough kicks and just a tough break for what's been the best kicker in, in Alabama football history. Yeah, there shouldn't be any concern for Will. I like him to bounce back this week. I think Kentucky is a – I think Kroger Field is an artificial surface, which kickers tend to like too. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You don't worry about surface switches or anything – with Will Reichard, I think it's probably a good thing, right, that we're talking more about Will Reichard when it comes to special teams and not Kool-Aid McKinstry. That yeah. one kind of went away pretty quick in a week, didn't it? It did. Uh, that was a popular topic for the bye week. Um, I think it was the SEC teleconference for the off week that I just I asked Nick Saban because all of the questions and concerns on the message board um, – were about the the punts and and the lack thereof of returns, even just fielding the ball. And um, you know, Nick Saban and, and Kool Aid explained it. It's been a little different for them this season, and uh, they voiced their confidence in him and give him credit. He came up, caught the ball, and that wasn't an issue. So uh, I think we thought that maybe we would see a, a change. Isaiah Bond kind of hinted at that when he came up for his first interview, but uh, they stuck with Kool Aid and he did a nice job. You know, we probably haven't talked enough about the improvement on special teams. And he went into the season expecting Will Riker to be what he's been. Right. Uh, but James Burnup has stepped forward. I think the coverage uh, units have been good. Yes, Kool-Aid's had some issues, but uh, you've got after some punts uh, in special teams too. So uh, a lot of credit to Coleman Hutzler in his game. Kendrick Law, too, on kickoff Jay returns. Law. He's been nice. Yep. Uh, he's a guy, too. That he's going to pop one, isn't he? It, he it's is. a matter of time, it feels like. If it's not, I don't want to, like, predict it, but <laughs> I, if not this week, I think next week, um, he, he's bound for one. And it sucks for a guy like Terry Arnold because he had a kickoff return for a touchdown at USF that got called back. So uh, this, this, uh, this special teams union all around has done a nice job. You're right. After a month at home, Charlie – can this team be trusted to show up in Lexington for that early kickoff with the required mindset this week? I think so. Um, you know, Alabama's good at at manufacturing um, motivation, and maybe they use this college football playoff rankings that we're talking about. Who knows? Um, but I think that going back to what we were talking about before, there hasn't been that anxiety from this team that we've seen the last couple of years. You look at that video that Alabama put out, um, I think on Monday, uh, of just the team running out of the tunnel. And it's, it's a different vibe from this team. It has kind of an attitude and an edge. And it might go back to those preseason expectations or what happened after the Texas game. I think they've heard a lot of talk and they've responded well. Nick Saban has... I can't even tell you how many times talked about the resiliency of this team, the makeup of this team and how much he likes coaching these guys. It might be a challenge. He joked that it's taken years off his life, but they've, they've answered the bell. And I think with the leadership on this team and what they know they have to do to continue to be in a place to achieve their goals, I, I think they'll be ready. Um, this is the the perfect recipe for a letdown game. Um, maybe even a trap game because Kentucky's got, good players. Uh, but I, I do think with what they've been able to do the last several weeks, 
uh, even though they're they might be without some guys because of injury. I, I think this team has the the mental and physical makeup to to answer the bell with what will be you know an early kickoff on the road in a stadium that none of them have been to. Uh, so I, I think they can get the job done. We'll we'll see on Saturday, but right now they're saying all the right things. Yeah, last year it seemed like there were a couple guys that you could count on to have that mindset, and not so much because guys were just mailing it in, as you talked about earlier, anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. concerns about playing in these kind of environments. And look, it is Kentucky. I get it. It's not Neyland Stadium. It's not Death Valley. Uh, but Kentucky's been pretty good at home. Now, not of late. They've lost a couple in a row at Kroger Field. So uh, what do you think as far as uh, anxiety? I, I, I think there is that sense of urgency for Alabama this week. Um, I think for Kentucky, it could be as much of as, as Alabama of taking a little bit of a breath because UK clinched bowl eligibility. Really going into last weekend, that was Kentucky's lone remaining goal. They got a big game, I know, coming up with Louisville to cap the regular season. But it could be Kentucky that takes a little bit of a breath here. That might not be a bad thing for, for Alabama. Or maybe Kentucky plays looser and kind of just lets it all hang out knowing they've got that taken care of. I do think there's pressure on both sides, but I think that pressure for Alabama is is kind of a good thing because, you know, I, I think a lot of people wrote that this team off after the, the Texas game. You're talking about just the college football playoff committee and, and what they expected. Uh, I think Alabama and its players kind of feel that. And, you know, they did. You're, you're coming off two games where you lost those the previous year. There was that revenge factor. But um, I do think that this team, you know, They've made the steady improvements that they've needed to make, but they also know um, the job's not finished. And so I, I think that what they're able to do this weekend um, will go a long way in determining the rest of the season. But I, I think that the pressure and everything is is good for them, and that they're not using it more so as the expectations that a guy like Dabo Sweeney was talking about or, or what we've heard from Alabama in the last couple of years. I, I think this is – a group that with their mindset, they, they can embrace that a little bit more. Yeah. Eight and one, six and oh in the league and haven't won anything. I'm sure yep. they've heard that <laughs> a few times around the old facility this week. Uh, we'll shift gears as we wrap up five questions with Charlie Potter with this one, Charlie, your biggest takeaway from Alabama men's basketball's 105 to 73 win over Moorhead state on opening night. Yeah, there was a lot to take away from it. Um, you know, Alabama wasn't at full strength. You had Chris Parker out with a an eye abrasion, but um, we got to see a lot of new guys. And I think the biggest takeaway for me, I wrote about it after the game, is um, Grant Nelson and, you know, kind of living up to that preseason hype. I, I get it that it's against Moorhead State, but um, just the things that he was able to do uh, at his size was impressive. He finished with 24 points to lead all scores. He had a game high seven rebounds. All seven of those came in the second half. And, you know, he's seven to 12 from the floor, two of four from three, uh, perfect at the line. He's a guy that Alabama um, is going to lean on a lot and, and lean on to do a lot of different things this year. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. And um, I do think, too, uh, that the backcourt was impressive. Uh, we talk a lot about these new players. Aaron Estrada um, did some nice things. Uh I thought Latrell Wrightsell did some nice things as well. But, you know, Mark Sears, don't forget about that guy. Uh, I think he can be a top player in the SEC. 
who comes in with 13 points and just kind of set the tone, I think, for this team. And um, I think that's that's important because with so many new pieces, uh, to have a guy coming back from last year's team that had all the success that it did, uh, to be that tone setter, I think can be really key for this group. And, you know, lastly, looking at some of these freshmen, I thought Jaron Stevenson did a really nice job. You know, he finished with 12 points. He's a guy that um, should be in high school right now and uh, played really, really well. I think it's going to be a key piece for this team. But, um, yeah, I thought yeah, defensively, you're going to clean some things up. Um, you know, Nate Oates was very adamant about that toward the end of his postgame presser. But um, all in all, a strong start to the season, things that they can still improve on, which I think is something that, you know, Nate um, you know, wants to have. And, um, yeah, oh. Last time we talked, I think we nailed the starting lineup. So you did. I was yeah. gonna. I was about to take you into that. I asked you last week, and we talked about the starting five uh, that we anticipated for the opener, and it was exactly that. I think we even got into the bench as far yeah. as when guys came onto the floor. Uh, seemed to play out that way too. Yeah, Jaron Stevenson was the first guy uh, to the scores table. I think Reitzel was right behind him, so those were the first two guys off the bench. And uh, Alabama with this team, the depth that it has, it can do a variety of different things. But you know, those starters being uh, Sears and Estrada, you had uh, Rylan Griffin at the three, uh, you had Grant Nelson at the four, and Nick Pringle at the five. It makes sense. Your three returners, your top two uh, transfer additions. But uh, Alabama's got some nice pieces this year. And if they can stay healthy and continue to kind of gel together as a group and, and lock in a little better on the defensive end of the floor – I think this team uh, could be really, really good. I don't know if they're going to be the number one overall seed in the tournament, but if they can they can stay healthy, this team can make a run late in March. As advertised is the way I would describe Monday night in terms yeah. of guys like you've talked about, Grant Nelson, Aaron Estrada, uh, the freshmen. And look, we still got a ways to go, as you said. We got a lot to figure out about this team. There's still some questions that I think we both had uh, that we weren't going to get an accurate depiction or answer of uh, against Moorhead State, but we know there's some teams coming up on the schedule, uh, not too far up the schedule that will help fill in some of those blanks, at least initially. This team with the potential for a lot of growth, though, a really nice mix of veterans and portal and freshmen and talented and fun. There's no doubt about that. Hey, Charlie, as always, man, appreciate you taking the time here on five questions and uh, hope to do it again next week. Yeah, man. So it's good to catch up. Join Charlie Potter, myself, Tim Watts, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings, Clint Lamb, Jimmy Steins, right there at BamaOnline.com, the roundtable, our premium message board. That's definitely where you want to hang out with us. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel right now. Just hit that little button right there. Subscribe and you'll be up to speed on everything we do from a video perspective for BOL. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thanking you again for joining us right here on Five Questions. And until next time, so long. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.